you're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex and Herds here with your Murder Mystery World Tour, and we are about to begin a brand new novel, Yukuro Ayatsuji's The Decagon House Murders. And Herds, mm. what a great text to <laughs> depart Japanese murder mystery fiction from. Dude, I could not have picked a better book. I'm so thoroughly enjoying my reread of this novel uh, as we've kind of been moving into it was a discussion today uh, this is this is a fantastic book and I'm really looking forward to you solving it immediately I, um. I don't think so we are discussing <laughs> chapters one to six which is the first three days on the island yes. and mainland and herds mm-hmm. so far um, mm. nothing much has happened what are you talking about we've had so many deaths we've had like seven deaths already how can you say that that's nothing? So the setup for this murder and mystery novel- And one missing novel, gardener. <laughs> the setup for this murder mystery novel is that six months after mm. a bizarre series of murders and arson mm-hmm. on this island, yep. uh, a group of students from the uh, Kyoto University Mystery Club show up to the island and decide yeah. to have a holiday there while it's they prepare so for their next magazine release. And let's, let's be clear, the Kyoto University Club, of which Yukuto Aetsuji, the author, was a part of, and he was the first person from that club to kind of make it big with this with this novel. So it's really, like, it's really appropriate. Yeah, uh, it's, it's become quite <laughs> prestigious since. Yeah. Uh, I think, I'm not sure on this, I'm pretty sure Keigo Higashino uh, was also mm. a member of this club because that was the first time I heard about it mm. uh, when we were covering The Devotion of Suspect X. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at least yeah. there was reference to it in some of the research I was doing. Yeah. It's if, if this novel is any indication, it was once a humble, you know, close-knit establishment, but now it's quite a prestigious group, the Kyoto University uh, Murder Mystery Club. Um, I do I do feel bad sometimes mm-hmm. on this show because I have to come on and say things like I'm not quite sure because it didn't show up in my research for this other book because I don't want to spoil myself inadvertently <laughs> in well, doing this research. Is thing, it's such it? a fine line to yeah. walk on this show. This is the problem, isn't it, with all these all these murder mystery stories? Um, but yeah, we we start off this mystery in a pretty a pretty classic way, and I felt. I feel like my very soul is being dragged into this book. Can I can I go to a bit of a tangent for a bit, Flex? I Absolutely. So the thing about this this mystery that kind of makes it unique, uh, first off, we're given three separate acts of death uh, to begin with. You know, there's the the more traditional um, the the arson murder on the mm-hmm. island six months ago. Yep. There's the F- death of of Shiori, um, at this this party. Apparently, she like drank too yep. much and it died. A, the previous New Year's about yeah. 13 or 14 months ago. ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, And there's also the murder, the murders on the island. And the way that the murders on the island is set up is obviously designed to contrast. And, you know, we move between in the novel between the mainland, where the characters in the mainland are kind of solving the murders from six months ago, and the island itself, in which the characters are trying to solve the murders currently going on as the story progresses. Yes. Which, to me... I felt my my mafia soul being pulled into this novel because mm-hmm. the discussions that they have over like which character could have murdered this person during the night feels exactly like the kind of thing that I would do when I was playing mafia. The discussions that these characters are having uh, feel very similar. And to the point that I could tell you if I was on this island and I was a real actual murderer, Orxy is an excellent first pick because... 
she's the player who isn't as invested as everybody else. And so the, the killers decide, well, I guess if we have to pick someone, we might as well pick the person who is the least invested in the game to die first. Mm-hmm. Right? So what you're telling me, Herds, <laughs> is yeah. that to find the murderer for this book, I just mm. need to find the person most like you in the story? Maybe. Maybe. Because that makes it very easy. That means that means it's uh, I mean it's Poe, obviously. It was his sharp intellectual mind and he's penchant for for medical stuff. Yes, everyone, That's me. everyone knows my, Herds for his medical career. My medical knowledge. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I'm thoroughly enjoying going over this book again. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> anyway. uh, I, I understand. I understand Herds. I think the other thing yeah. that's really fascinating about this book is that it's clearly part of the fourth wave of crime fiction yes. that we spoke about when we were covering the Tokyo Zodiac murders. This came out in the 80s when Tokyo Zodiac murders made big waves in the 1960s. Uh, and it's clearly very, very influenced because in case you hadn't noticed by the names of the characters that we've about. been dropping so what far. What are you talking about? <laughs> everyone in the book uses the nomenclature yeah. of some uh, some historical murder mystery author. Mm-hmm. And that includes, yes. you know, the seven kids who are on the island all mm-hmm. having nicknames from their murder mystery club where they <laughs> are previous authors. Yeah, and even one guy on the mainland whose name is Conan. Detective Conan. Well, no, Detective Conan is in fact named after this guy. Well, yes, but still. And then we also have Shima- uh, Shimada Kiyoshi, yeah, who is yeah. definitely in no way, shape, or form named after anyone from the mm-hmm. Tokyo Zodiac murders. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's all very on the nose in there. I wouldn't be surprised if we have other references to authors we've seen on the show. Um, there's probably even some that we've missed because we haven't read nearly as widely. But I think that this book is going to be an excellent place to uh, bid farewell, as I said at the beginning, to mm. Japanese murder mystery fiction because yeah. it's so enthusiastic about the genre in the way that the Japanese uh, field is so known for mm-hmm. and so open about it and so engaged with everyone in the story being murder mystery nerds. Yeah. It's great fun. I did want to I did want to critique something, though. In Uh-oh. the version of the book that I have, there's actually a foreword from Soji Shimada. Mm. And he he. Crit- critiques this book saying that so often its characters feel <laughs> like robots. And I, act- I actually, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that all the characters kind of fit an archetype, but they don't necessarily act within that archetype. Like they don't talk that way. Like I say, um, like Poe, he's the doctor, but he's also like acting like with concern for people. He's like, we'll get into this in the mystery side of things, but he's like trying to stop people from seeing the body. Like he's not acting in the way that, a doctor would if there were just a mechanical piece on the board. I think maybe the the struggle that someone could have with characterization in this novel is mm. that so much of the characterization we're given is by uh, Ayatsuji telling us that the character, what the character is currently doing was unusual for them, yeah. but we don't know what is usual for them. Oh, that's so it, it can feel a little bit out of yeah. place. Well, it is, that is part of the experiment, I think, that uh, the first time we see our characters is as they're traveling to the island, at least the, the, the six and then the seven, mm. when they, they meet Van Dyne on the island, of course. Uh, and as the six of them are traveling there, we get a little bit of talk about the island. We don't really get a lot of characterization. So then all of the, you know, the time we get to know these characters is between them walking into the death trap and them dying horribly. Yes. Um, to the point that one of the kind of narrative tricks that this novel uses, it'll give us a chapter or at least a couple of paragraphs from the perspective of the person who's about to be killed. Yep. So Orxy, the first person to be killed, we get like a whole, like half a day with her being like, this is why I'm here. I'm here to pay my respects. And I, Chiro is my, my good friend and all this sort of stuff. And so we get, you know, at least a subjective view of their mind state before they're off. Um, and that's more or less consistent as the novel goes on, um, obviously to to you know give us some context. 
uh, for these these characters. And I think it's pretty effective at making each of the deaths as they occur kind of feel real. Um, so when we get, you know, descriptors of characters like throwing up and feeling awful and, and you know, making bad decisions, um, there's, one, there's one particular point where Agatha, they're, they're discussing whether they should all sleep in the same room. And I, th- I think it's Agatha says like, well, then somebody could just reach out and strangle me. I don't want that. I'm going to my room. It's like, come on, this is, you're using horror movie logic. This is awful. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's really how the novel is set out. Very you know? much so. It, it plays on a lot of horror tropes in yeah. the ways that the characters act and the scenes are structured in terms of their relation to one yep. another. Yep. So, you know, oh, this character's splitting off and having their little monologue scene, they're next to die, yeah, exactly. as you were just saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think if you were to kind of look down the list and Herds has pulled out I his have, phone here, there's, you can break out all of the horror. Um, archetypes on yeah. this one. Orsi is is the ugly one. Car mm-hmm. uh, is the jock. LaRue is the nerd. Ellery is the, the athletic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, distinct from the jock in that they are not an awful human being. Uh, Agatha is Debatable. the panicky uh, girl. The girl. She's the girl. That's right. Uh, My favorite Van, horror archetype. Van is the stoner. Uh, and Poe is the Doctor. Yeah, there's a, there's a really interesting balance that I think we'll talk a bit about as we get into the mystery section at the tail end of the show today. But uh, you're listening to Death of the Reader. We are discussing the first three days of Yukido Ayatsuji's The Decagon House Murders. And we'll be back with more in just a second. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex here. I am absolutely overjoyed to be joined on the line by Dr. Satomi Saito, currently a lecturer in Japanese at Clemson University in South Carolina over in the United States. And I first came across Dr. Saito's amazing uh, PhD dissertation on detective fiction and absolutely ate it up, looked through every single page of it, picked up the the charts that you had in there from Soji Shimada talking about the different right. schools of detective mm-hmm. fiction. And it's been so wonderful to get in touch with you and discuss detective fiction. So I guess I wanted to start by asking you, where did your love and passion for detective fiction first come from? And why was that the subject you chose for your PhD back in 2007? The starting point was my advisor. My advisor was uh, Sakai Naoki, who is a professor at Cornell University. And he was a specialist of uh, intellectual history. And he is interested in how, you know, uh, Japanese people's idea about their national identity and national culture has generated in negotiation with other foreign cultures. And he was a you know, kind of classic scholar focused on Edo period. And I was more recent, uh, I, I, I was more interested in recent development. And I thought detective fiction may be a perfect example through, through which Japanese people tried to define what would make Japanese people more, you know, Japanese or, you know, just an imitation of Western philosophy. Yeah, I, I think the thing that really interested me when I was first kicking off reading through uh, your work here was looking at the differences between the early schools of detective fiction, because I guess to my mind, uh, there's kind of Shin Honkaku and everything before Shin Honkaku, mm-hmm. but you did an interesting breakdown of the social and authentic schools, authentic being Honkaku. Uh, yes. So how did those two schools came to be and what was the kind of interesting conflict between them in talking about that national identity for Japan and its storytelling? It's a complicated thing. First, 
I just looked back, you know, my, my dissertation was more than 10 years ago, and I almost <laughs> forgot what I did in my dissertation. So I just looked back and, you know, went through some of the things I wrote. And some of the things may be a bit questionable at this point <laughs> from my perspective at this point. But at least I tried to delineate the differences between how Japanese people wanted to perceive themselves. In other words, what what kind of people they wanted to be in a particular moment in Japanese history. And it's different from how, you know, people started, uh, people wrote detective fiction. I mean, you can write anything. and You can be a just creative writer. But somehow at certain point, especially with Japan's colonial expansion in, in uh, Asian nations, they started thinking, I mean, what to define Japanese people? I mean, we shouldn't be just importing everything from the West and uh, doing it better. I mean, stereotypical perception that, that Japanese people good at modifying something in for, import and make it perfect. All the Japanese people, it's more about the spirituality, more about the psyche of criminals. That should be emphasized. I, I think the thing that's really exciting about looking back at those, I guess, some cultural differences and also the way that Jap uh, Japanese authors very much use their sense of national identity to tell their stories is when you see the way that they intentionally distance themselves from Western authors. So for Rampo, it was becoming a bit more grotesque. For later on in the Shing Honkaku school, it was very much about the nature of truth and the nature of reality. And you mentioned in their spirituality, and I think a lot of authors kind of bring in ghostly imagery, uh, the, the idea of the kami, which, you know, our closest Western comparison is like a god or a spirit, but it's not entirely accurate. This is a common discussion before World War II about, you know, Western body and Eastern or Japanese mind. So Western people, they are good at, you know, having strong army and developing, you know, industries and uh, those uh, machine powers. And with our spiritualities, maybe we can conquer or even defeat those Western powers. And that's... a uh, you know, the stupid idea, and uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, during that time, Japan needed to fight against those Western forces, especially against the United States. You know, that was a kind of hope for Japanese people that we are superior over Western, pe Western people, at least spiritually. Yeah, I think the other thing that was really exciting getting into Japanese detective fiction is looking at where, I guess, that bridge was crossed somewhere around Soji Shimada going from the Honkaku and social schools of detective fiction to Shin Honkaku, the new authentic. And the way that it very much adopts a lot of these ideas that you're talking about, but puts them into a newer lens that it, it took someone... Uh, you know, stepping out in front of in front of the pack like Soji Shimada to kind of break that barrier because there was a, a a bit of a poor reputation that had developed for detective fiction at the time. So, could you tell us a little bit about what the Shin Honkaku School is and kind of how it came to be in this cultural context? I think we have to separate Shimada. Uh, Soji, Soji Shimada from uh, Shin Honkaku in general. Shimada Soji, I think, pretty much tried tried to. Uh, revive post-war uh, authentic or orthodox, orthodox detective fiction of Yokom, Seishi Yokomito. And, you know, typical, typical beginning of a fantastic or impossible situation and everything should be logically solved. And that's his merger of trying to uh, 
somehow merge Japanese spirituality or Japanese fantastic situations with Western logic. You know, post-war social school of detective fiction, they talked about, you know, the, the corruptions of the society and, you know, issues of post-war Japanese society. So Japanese society may have, you know, involved into you know, materially. Uh, prosperous uh, civilization, culture, but Japanese people may have lost their spirituality. But I think for Ayatsuji, it's something something else. What Ayatsuji tried to do was something more postmodern, criticizing our society in general. That, you know, uh, for example, I mentioned that his writing could be metafictional. And that's something interesting about the Shin Honkaku. How did a series like this, where it's questioning, I guess, the same ideals, have such longevity? And what should Western readers be looking forward to if we ever do get translations of the rest of the series? I think that Ayatsuji's uh, house series is interesting because it's almost against conventional no- conventional notion of detective fiction, uh, detective series that, you know, in which usually usually a single detective try to solve various murders. But it's it's more about architect. In other words, setups. Uh, someone makes the setup yeah. for the story. And, you know, detective is almost like a, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, bystander yeah. <laughs> of something happening, something mysterious happening uh, in the setting. But at the same time, it's about uh, some premises premises of uh, novels in general. I mean, uh, for example, we may assume that uh, the narrator should be neutral, but, you know, how can we trust it? Yeah. Or why do we have to trust the narrator is a you know, neutral person? Or even the gender of the narrator? You know, sometimes genders are concealed. In Japanese, we don't usually use personal pronouns. Yeah. In other words, we are not sure the protagonist is actually a female or a male. Yeah, I think there's a really fun thing, and we were mentioning Kami earlier. I know that historically in translation, one issue is that Kami typically gets put as Mm -hmm. the masculine god because that's the kind of Mm -hmm. Western association, even though that's not, as I was saying earlier, entirely accurate. And there's so many interesting barriers that you have to get around with those translations and why it's so exciting when we get really good translation like the Decagon House Murders. Dr. Satobi Saito, it has been so fantastic having you on Death of the reader. You have no idea how much I have enjoyed this discussion with you. Thank you very much. It's a small world. Uh, president of the publishing house, the locked room, John Pugmire, uh, is the father of the student I taught. Oh, that's crazy. In Montreal. And John contacted to me. And again, he also read my dissertation. And also he wanted to, you know, have a list of novels that should be translated. My topic was the Decagon House Murders. And I'm not sure how much uh, John uh, took it <laughs> seriously, but at least he published it. So I, I got the sign, signed oh, copy. Oh, fantastic. There are 26 copies produced and I got Z. I got Z. I'm not sure it's because I was less important among the old <laughs> among all the contributors. But but anyway, I, I got a signed copy. So it's 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 a small world. Oh, that's fantastic. Alrighty, we are discussing that right there. The Decagon House murders. We'll be back with more on Death of the Reader in just a second. Stick around. You're listening to 2SCR 107.3. You're listening to Death of the Reader. We are discussing Yukido Ayatsuji's The Decagon House Murders, our last stop on this leg of our Japanese tour. 
We are discussing the first three days, both on the island and mainland in this book. Mm. And Herds, yeah. I joked earlier in this episode <laughs> that nothing much has happened. Uh-huh. And- if, To some extent, you're right. To some extent- Only a couple days have passed. Because we have the two- happened. We have the two murders on the island of Orxy and Carr. Yep. Uh, one of which was a strangling, the other of which was a poisoning. Yeah. Both of them have had their hands lopped off- in, Their left hand. Uh, seemingly in, uh, in reference to the- Missing uh, hand of the wife who died yeah. in the arson murders six uh, months before was, on the same island. Is it Seiji? The gruesome. Of, is it Nakamura Seiji? Yes. I think that's right. Yeah, he uh, supposedly died in an arson murder six months ago on this island in the Blue Mansion, mm-hmm. uh, in which everything was blue. Uh, because why not? Uh, and and on in that murder, uh, Seiji and his wife and these two servants, the, this servant couple, were all found burned and. And in the case of the wife, her left hand had been cut off mm-hmm. um, and it was missing. Nobody found it. Uh, but there was also a gardener on the island who whose body was never found. Never found. Never found. I, do you want to- Because you kind of have a couple of murders to solve. Do you want to start with this one or do well, you want to- I don't know. What am feeling? I What am I solving here? Herds? I don't know. Because what I've happened? got I've got the death of Chiori yeah. uh, 14 or so months ago. I've got the Blue Mansion murders three months ago. And I've got the Decagon House murders yep. going on right now. And they must be connected in some way. So, because this is a good murder mystery that makes sense. Is there a point for each one? Is, is So it- this is what I wanted to address with you, Flex. Because I don't think you gave me my points last week. Oh. You did not actually give me, I'm going to assume it was three points. Yeah, it would, it would have been three points. Uh-huh. I, I, I forgot. Aha, uh-huh, Flex. Well, you know what? Just because you tried to wheel your way out of giving me points of playing a fair game. <laughs> I, what there, now? There are, there are three points available for this for this book, but to a maximum of two. Flex. How dare you? You're getting a, a punishment you? game what up is in here. This? this is Death of the Reader on 2SCR Flex. We don't play around anymore. What is going on? This is on? hard fastball. That's what this is. That is three points available. Oh. Uh, t- Let's say one one for each of these murders, see if you can figure it out. A one for a, a connecting the connecting tissue. But I would like for you to uh to know that you can only have a maximum of two points for this book. That's this where we're rubbish. capping it. This is in revenge. There must be balance in all things, Flex. <laughs> And this is the balance. Shall I just strike one of your points off the board for the master key just for fun as well, Herds? That that's rude, is what that is. Well, There's so is no this- bylaws. There's no bylaws to support that. <laughs> it's not, there's nothing I can recall. All right, he, here's, no. here's an offer to you, Herds. If you uh. think I crush this novel well enough, can uh. I get that last point? But I'm going to have to really push if the envelope you on it. If you solve every little detail, sure, you can You can work for that last point. I'm going to make you work for it. Okay. It's going right. to be a slog, as, an uphill as long slog. As, as long as it is possible. Okay. As long as I don't have to rely on the, ghosts it would require- and magic. It would, well, I was going to say it would require a miracle, which is distinct from <laughs> magic, but not entirely different. If you get what I'm saying. Here's what I want to get into. Uh-huh. I have, for the Decagon house murders, uh-huh. two main suspects. Okay, sure. Throw them at me. Uh, before I before I do, and for the Blue Mansion murders, yep. I have one suspect, but no good reason for okay, it. Okay, well, who's the suspect? So, so Blue Mansion murders, chronological order. Okay, so- in terms of the Blue Mansion murders, I yep. think it clearly has to be that Seiji Nakamura staged the incident and okay. basically, you know, burned the corpse of the gardener to disguise it as himself. Okay, sure. Um, Makes sense to me. And the reason I think that is the case mm. is because the only two mentions of dates, like explicit numbered dates we get in the book is one, okay. Okay. when the murder happened, 
sorry, is one when the wife died and mm. two when the rest of the murders happened, which was the same day that Kojiro, Seiji's brother, was on the mainland with Shimada Kiyoshi okay. having a drink. Okay. I, and it's noted mm. that it is out of character for Kojiro to ask anyone over for a drink. Okay. So my assumption is that the wife dying early and her hand being cut off okay. was then mailed or something to Kojiro or ah, given to Kojiro, interesting. foreshadowing the murders two days later. So he knew in advance what was going to happen and intentionally invited Shimada over for an alibi. Okay. Why the hand was mailed to him, it's kind of alluded to that maybe he was having an affair with Seiji's wife, though mm. I don't think we actually have much more than speculation to go on okay. for that. Sure. Um, and also, I, I, I don't know, it, it seems so, a bit thin. So then my question is, if, uh, you know, the gardener's body was, was switched with Seiji's, where, where is Seiji now? Uh, either alive or he hid his corpse in a murder-suicide. Let's be clear, the, the Blue Mansion murder, we're not given a lot of details. We don't e- really even get the chance to look at the crime scene, mostly because it's burned no. down. Um, and also, I mean, this ties in thematically, the, the seven who go to the island, you know, their whole idea is they're going to do some writing, they're going to check out the old murder site and like mm-hmm. have a poke around, but they don't really get a chance to. Um, there's a bit of a gag where I think it's Ellery goes, he yeah. like kicks a bunch of dirt. He's like, but wouldn't it be cool if I'd seen the wife's hand there when I kicked that dirt over? But like, that just doesn't happen. No. You know, it pretty easily sets up um, or, or pretty efficiently sets up that this murder isn't about like coincidences and weird, you know, ev- everything is, is, is planned and tidy mm. um, in one way or another. So I guess- if that's your answer for the Blue Mansion murders, do you want to tell us about the seven on the island? What's going on there? What's and how is Orxy the killer? <laughs> I, I admittedly, before we had Orxy's death, when yeah. we had that monologue of her reflecting on why she was there, I actually thought it was going to be her. Well, but then once yeah. we got Carr's death, I thought to myself, "Oh, okay, no, this is just a horror trope." Okay, you thought to myself, "Yeah, I understand." Um, I, I guess. Listen, my, don't make fun of my pronunciation I would never. today. I have a very sore throat. Hurts. I wasn't this making quite fun of anybody. Me. <laughs> Myself, just thinking about all them, all them murders. And then my other two picks is Ellery and Van Dyne. Yes. Now, I Ellery, agree. I would pick because he frames himself as the detective, and if you're yep. enough of a nutcase to stage a murder <laughs> mystery game in a club of murder mystery nerds, <laughs> yeah, you'd probably be a bit uppity yourself and frame yourself mm-hmm. as being the hero of yeah, the story as the detective. On, there are only really two characters that I ever considered being the murderer, mm-hmm. Ellery and Van Dyne, but both for completely opposite Absolutely. reasons, right? And the opposite reason for Van Dyne is that he is the one on the island when they arrive. He's the yep. one that has access to the property. He's he, also really quiet and like to the side. Yeah, like, and he's yeah. sick, which means that he's not with the group all the time because he's resting and he's unwell. Yep. So just unequivocally, he's so obvious to the point where when I was looking at it, I thought to myself, that can't be it. Like it's yeah. it's so blatant. But here's the thing. Yeah. Van Dyne, mm. SS Van Dyne, author extraordinaire. The ship, yes. Of the many murder cases, one of the greatest selling American authors of the murder mystery genre. <laughs> yeah. Was famous for being a pseudonym mm. for another individual. Okay. Who's who's the other individual, Flex? What's now, thought? the other individual in the story, we don't have many characters on the island and they all appear in one room at the same time. So it can't be any of them. So by extension, it has to be someone okay. on the mainland. Interesting theory. And okay. we only have four real characters on the mainland. We have Kojiro, Shimada Kiyoshi, Morisu, and Conan. And 
Kojiro is an older guy, so that wouldn't really work. Uh, Shimada Kiyoshi's a bit younger. Conan is explicitly the kind of protagonist perspective of the story. It It would be tricky to fit that in. It would be very tricky to fit that in. So that only really leaves Marasu and Shimada Kiyoshi. Marasu Kyoichi and Mm -hmm. Shimada Kiyoshi. And I hate that he made the names so similar, but that's just how it is. That's right. Shimada and Marasu. Shimada and Marasu. Yeah. And the thing to me that's weird is that when we have these two parallel murders, it would make sense to me that uh, Shimada Kiyoshi, who was already connected to the first case, Mm. is the one connected to the second case, and perhaps he's coming back from the island when he has his, oh, I'm off sick alibi. Sure. Um, You know, who knows? Maybe he has a boat. Maybe he's just a really, 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 really quick swimmer. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So what's, what's your top theory here? Why don't you just run that down for us real quick? Forget the Blue Mansion murders. You've already talked about that. Mm Mm-hmm. You think it's you think it's Van? Is that correct? I think it is Van it's Dyne, Van, but he's also somebody else yes, on the mainland. My most who, who likely is pick is Kiyoshi, okay. uh, with a second place for Marasu. Uh, not the fisherman. Not the fisherman. Damn. I don't know. If you want me to pin, <laughs> I'd say Kiyoshi. Okay. But I don't I do. really think there's a way to pick it. That's moment. okay. We we can come back to it next time. Uh, next time we chat. Um, I did want to ask qu- really quickly before we wrap here. The prologue actually includes a scene of 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 a culprit. Uh, throwing a bottle into the sea, being all, I, ah, they are walking into my trap. Who, who do you think that is? Do you think that's the, the culprit of, of the, the Dead Grand House murder, murders? Or do you think that's uh, Seiji from the Blue Mansion murders? Like, who do you think that person is? I would not be surprised if it is actually both of them. <laughs> there'll, be two, there'll be two message bottles at the, well, at the yeah. shop later on. Like, Because that'd be the that'd fun be thing, great. is that this book is clearly trying to one-up. <laughs> we, cut to, we cut to Conan's library, it's just a line of message bottles. <laughs> like, I'll never open them, but they seem important. Thank it's you terrible. for joining us here on Death of the Reader this week. We will be back with more of Decagon House Murders, days four and five. That's the next three chapters yeah. in this book. Day five is a is a long one, so Strap I... In. Yeah, literally strap in. It's it's insane. I've got my seatbelt here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's good. This has been Death of the Reader. You're listening to 2SER 107.3.